I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, go. Slam me. Hey. Hit it up park. Hit it up park. Hit it with a strike. Hit it with a strike. From the national anthem. Anthem. To the bottom of the night. I'm in. Slam me. Hey, go. Slam me. Hey, go. Slam me. Hey, go. Slam me. Hey. You already know what's up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 453 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is August 23rd, 2023. The Padres, they just won that series over another nationally contender, the Miami Marlins. But is that good enough, really? Was winning this series good enough for this Padres team? I don't think so. Because I'm someone that thinks that this season is already over. And so if they wanted to creep really back into it, you're playing a team that's ahead of you in the wild card standings. If they would have swept them, they would have gained three games on the Miami Marlins. Instead, they gained just one game. So that kind of feels like a loss. And this homestand, it was a long homestand. You had the Orioles. Took two out of three, one of the best teams in baseball. You finish off this homestand. You take the series against Miami Marlins, who are a contender in the National League. But the problem was you didn't sweep the Marlins, and in the middle of these six games, the other four, you lost three of those. You lost three out of four of those to a team that was ahead of you in the wild card standing. So the big issue here, obviously, was not sweeping, not even splitting the D-back series. That's where the problem was, and they can't change anything about that now. So they've got to just keep having the mindset of going 1-0 every day. But 
I think a lot of fans are on my side of things. They think that this season is over. Feel free to give your thoughts in the comments. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question, you can use that super chat button. Definitely supports the channel and makes it very easy for me to see your comment, your questions. Uh, it puts it into a whole different category. And if you want to join the show, as always, I give you that opportunity. Click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat. I don't want to make this feel like I'm talking at you. I want to be talking with you. Um, so feel free to join if you want to give your thoughts there. Uh, and a reminder, just waiting for some people to get in here uh, as we wait. Uh, code Talking Friars, $20 off your SeatGeek order. Again, click that link in the description. Some great San Diego sports swag there from Breaking Tea, Aztecs who get underway their football season later this weekend, San Diego Wave, who play on Friday in Orlando. They just won their last match against Gotham. And then, obviously, Padres shirts, sweatshirts as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to the show today. I'll get to some updates on some of the big Padres prospects as well. That's something I want to hit on. Um, but mainly the, the last two games of this Miami Marlins series. I already hit on game one in a previous show, and that was Ryan Weathers on the mound for the pot, or excuse me, not for the Padres, against the Padres with the Marlins facing off against Michael Waka. And the Padres, they played really well. Hassan came with the grand slam, and it was like, all right, this is a good start to the series. But then obviously they could not finish that up uh, or follow that up, I should say, on the second game of this series, which was yesterday. And they get shut out by Jesus Lazardo and the Miami Marlins. The Padres, they had a runner on second. Tatis was on second with one out in that first inning yesterday. And he ended up getting stranded. And that was like really the best shot against Luzardo the entire night last night. They end up getting just two hits against this guy who had given up 16 earned runs combined in his first three outings in the month of August. So this is just typical Padres, right? Shouldn't be surprised by it. They make a guy who, I'm not saying that this Lazardo guy doesn't have talent. He was one of the top prospects in baseball when he was coming up with the Marlins. Or excuse me, not the Marlins, the A's. And he was dealt to the Marlins. He, he definitely has the talent. It's in there. And it looked like he was pitching well. But was that because he was really on his game? Or was that because the Padres made him look like the, the top amazing prospect that he once was? You know, I feel like it's more... The Padres made him look really good than him pitching really, really good. And it's been like that a lot this season, where you have a struggling guy coming on in here, might not even be in San Diego, but on the road for the Padres. And that guy's at home, you know, in Cincinnati. I think Graham Ashcraft is a name that comes to mind. Uh, was it Nick Lodolo? It was another name as well, where the offense just doesn't do a whole lot. And that this game against Luzardo that was just the latest example of that and then what's maddening is the next day the Padres follow that up facing Sandy Alcantara who just won the Cy Young last year and they beat him up and they're the team that makes Sandy Alcantara go into the dugout after his outing and slam seeds and you know kill a bunch of gum and stuff in there you know slamming stuff and throwing balls hard down when he walks a guy you know because they're having some decent at-bats like it's just maddening because of the inconsistency of this team it's frustrating because you see it in there they've had so many blowout victories they've had so many games where they've been able to score four runs like they did today or score more than five runs but then what happens after that this season 
after scoring more than five runs in a game, they've been outscored by their opponents. Like, so it's just has, they haven't had, and I don't believe really in momentum in baseball, but they haven't had that. Um, they haven't had those string of games. They haven't won four games in a row. They're winless in extra inning games. And I was listening to uh, Marty Caswell's interview with Xander Bogarts earlier today, and he kind of downplayed the extra inning thing, and that's fine. But the one-run game part, that's, that's the, the maddening thing. The not winning four games in a row, I mean, I would have laughed if you would have told me that that was going to be the case with this Padres team. If you would have told me that in spring training before the season started, I'm like, what? Are you kidding? Four wins in a row? You serious? They're going to do that like 10 times this season. That, I think that's the expectation that we had on this Padres team, and they've never lived up to it. So winning this series against the Marlins, like, cool. They beat a contender. Cool. They beat another contender in the Baltimore Orioles in the first series of this homestand. But that's not going to make me believe in this team. Look what happened in the middle of it. They lost three out of four to the D-backs. And they didn't sweep this Marlins team when they had the opportunity to gain three games on them. And maybe you start to feel a little bit better about this team. I still wouldn't believe in this team. I still want to see a bigger sample size, but maybe some would have. Maybe that would have had the Padres themselves in the clubhouse feeling better. But instead, they just win the series and they game one game on this Marlins team. And the Giants, I believe, are winning here So against the Phillies. So it's not like they're going to gain games in the standings or anything like that. I think at the end of today, they're still going to be five and a half games back. So I'm not super happy about this homestand. I'm not super happy about this series. Like there, You can point to some positive things. Like, yeah, Seth Lugo. I'll point to that as a positive. Like, and maybe it shouldn't be a positive for the Padres because he might end up walking and going and getting a bigger contract somewhere because he's been pretty dang solid as a starting pitcher this year. And yeah, he was out for a little bit, but this is the most innings that he has thrown since like 2019, 2018, I want to say. And it doesn't look like he's tired. He pitched really well again today. He ends up going six innings, doesn't give up any runs, one walk, four punch outs. So if I were him, I'd probably really be thinking about going to free agency. And if I want to go back to the Padres, make the Padres pay me more, give me a multi-year contract, or go somewhere else that's going to give you that opportunity to definitely be in the rotation instead of saying, well, maybe you'll be in the rotation. You're going to have to prove it to us again, like the Padres made Lugo do going into this year, which was totally understandable with the Padres. Like, I, I get that. I'm just saying. Lugo probably wants that solidified role. And I think the Padres would be willing to give that to him because of what they've seen this year. But are they willing to give him a raise? Are they willing to give him a new contract? Because I'll look up Seth Lugo's contract right now here. Um, let's see. Bear with me here. Internet. Lugo contract. Two-year, $15 million deal with the Padres entering this season. But it's a player option for next year. Based on the way he has pitched this year, I think he can get more than one year, $7.5 million next year from a team. So again, will the Padres want to pay him, give him $10 million a year, whatever it ends up being, maybe even more than that? I don't know. Maybe it's the same amount of money or like $8 million, a little bit of a raise. But instead, it's for three years and it's three for 24 
right? Something like that. I'm just making it up. But are the Padres willing to do that? Do they want to do that? Or do they want to go and say, Lugo, we'll let you go. Maybe they bring back Waka on the two $16 million club options for 24 and 25. And then they bring in someone on a one-year deal, a couple, a couple guys on a one-year deal. And they see how that works out. And then maybe they have Robbie Snelling, who's the top pitching prospect in the organization. They have him come up at some point next year. They have Iniarte in double-A, right? They have Adam Mazur in double-A. Maybe they use those guys in the farm system. I don't, I don't know if that's the best plan starting pitching-wise because there's also the Snell thing, right? Do they want to go all in on Snell? Which I'm not too happy about some of the comments that he made last night after that loss. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, there's Snell, there's Lugo, there's Waka. And you have, obviously, Musgrove and Darvish, but that's a, that. those are some serious spots to fill. This rotation's been pretty dang solid this season. I would, would definitely not put them at the top as to why this Padres team is where they're at, for sure. I would put them at the top as why are the Padres even this close to 500, which isn't that close, but why are they even like in the hunt still? I think a part of it is the starting pitching, being able to keep them in games. I think it's Blake Snell pitching his butt off the last like two, three months of this season. I think it was Musgrove. After a rough start to the season, there was injuries, obviously. Him getting it together. Lugo, Waka, when they've been healthy, pitching pretty well this year. I'd attribute it to that. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of questions for this team uh, after this season, which um, I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot in the offseason. I see John here coming into the show. What's up, my man? How's it going? Going good, man. How you doing? Doing well. Could do a little uh, bit know, better, but yeah, I feel I feel it was a little hollow of a win, honestly. I just yeah. you know it was it was good to see the Xander Bogarts home run and you know him heating up or whatever. But man, oh man, it's uh, it's a disappointing time in Padres land. But alas, um, I kind of wanted to hop on the show and kind of ask you your thoughts on because I've been hearing a lot about you know obviously we are in a pretty downtime of the year, right? And we're kind of like talking about off-season stuff and whatnot. And it feels like a lot of people are, are kind of depressed about these major contracts that we have. And, you know, this team that we have currently is kind of locked up, um, a good majority of it, I would say. Um, now, I know these talks wouldn't kind of happen if we were winning, you know, but I don't know. I was just, I, I still feel that this is a good team. You know, this is, I mean, I, I, I want to chop it up to maybe it's a fluke, but at the same time, you know, I'm obviously a little worried that, uh, you know, this could be, you know, the same run next year. And, you know, that's that. And, you know, we're not really improving upon the roster or doing any major changes after that. You know, it seems, I want to get your thoughts on that really. Yeah. The, the long-term contracts, I am seeing that a lot, obviously on social media and like, yeah, the Xander Bogarts contract, like the worst contract in Padres history. And there, there's some people that are already throwing that out there. It's like, one, that's way too early for that. And yeah. I'm looking at the long-term contracts as, okay, going into this season, what did a lot of Padres fans say? Okay, those contracts probably not going to look great at the end. But there's going to be a window here, what, three, four, maybe five years, where, okay, hopefully we can get prime years great production out of these guys. And if they win a World Series in these first five years because of those guys, then I'll definitely take the last years of those deals, looking like Albert Pujols with the Angels. And totally, I'll take it. And 
I think we, what we should look at, and it's definitely disappointing, and I'm pissed off about it, of course. You and me but both, buddy. I'm not, give, I'm not giving up on the Bogarts contract. I'm not going to sit here and say, the Manny extension, that shouldn't have happened. What the heck was Peter doing? Like, mm-hmm. We all wanted Manny to be here. And sure, some maybe didn't want Xander to be here. But I look at it as Tatis moved to the outfield, and how did that work out? Great. It's worked out great. And Manny continues to be good when he's been healthy. It's been an underwhelming season overall, but defensively, he continues to be good there, and he's had some moments this year, and we know it's in there. We know it's in there with Xander. We saw it today, and hopefully he doesn't have the wrist injury, get hit by a pitch by Spencer Strider, whoever the heck it was earlier this season, and you know, the power goes away, right? Crony, hopefully, and I don't think he's going to have another year this bad next year, because Ooh. he's a guy, he's a guy that really does care. You can tell that he cares, and he's working his butt off to try to get better and get out of this. And Hassan Kim, they have him under contract for next year as well. We'll see what happens there. And I know I'm rambling, but what I look at it as this window that we were all talking about going into the year, it wasn't a one-year window. It was three, four years, maybe five, but at least three years of these guys prime. And we'll see if they can go win a World Series. If they do, then the end of the contract, whatever. You know, that's we won the World Series. That's what matters. We have never had one. That's what we want. So, you know, when Musgrove, Musgrove is still under contract, right? For another four years. Like I'm looking at that through, yeah. I'm looking at that through like the Musgrove contract. And okay, this year hasn't worked out, but doesn't mean next year's not gonna work out. Doesn't mean next year is gonna be crap like this. I, I just don't see it being like that again. Yeah, um, and maybe that's me relying on the track record, and fans don't want to hear that right now. But yes, I think this season is over, but I'm still trying to remain optimistic about the future just because I still believe in a lot of these guys that are in this uniform. And like you said, yeah, there's there's talent on this team for sure. Yeah, there's there's definitely talent on this team. I, I, I really don't like to talk, especially about you know the character of these people, you know, especially Machado and Cronenworth as well, because. I mean, they could say it a million times that, you know, they're in the batting cages early and after the games and everything like that. And, you know, I mean, Manny's playing through a shoulder, was it an elbow thing right now? Yeah. It's just, yep. like, it's just like, you know, the guy is, Tatis is yeah. hurt. You definitely can tell he's hurt. Yeah. And so I would argue Soto as well. I mean, he's probably going through something right now. He's in a little bit of a slump, but I mean, it's just, uh, I really just don't like the talk that, you know, this is a down, you know, we're kind of screwed and, you know, we're kind of like the White Sox. I mean, a lot of people are making the comparison of that to us. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, like, I think at the end of the day, I think, you know, all this talk about AJ Preller getting fired or Bob Melvin getting fired and stuff like that. I, I kind of am in the camp that is literally just going to run it back and, you know, maybe some tinkering, maybe, you know, signed some people to an extension or something like that, but. I mean, I think we got we got what we got, you know, and, and we were expected that this is the, the roster. And in fact, I think at the end of the last year, we were, you know, we were worried that we only had a one or two year window with a lot of these people. You know, Manny Machado was going to opt out of his contract and all that stuff. But I mean, Seidler p- copped up the money and we now have a five year window. Now, that being said, uh, I was actually watching John and Jim uh, and um, they Jim made a good point saying like, you know, we signed these people with the expectation that we were going to be the threat for the Dodgers. And that is still my belief um, that we need to threaten the Dodgers and the Dodgers are a good team. I'm not going to deny that they, they absolutely eviscerate the, the regular season. But that being said, 
I mean, this team's got to show up next year and they really, really have to, you know, take a look at themselves in the mirror. And I hope AJ Prello does as well, because I mean, he looks like he doesn't sleep for days, but you know, he, I think everyone really needs to take a look in the mirror and say like, listen, you know, there's a high expectation. There's a lot of money. We gotta, we gotta show up or, you know, shut up, you know, kind of thing. So hopefully, you know, it's this, I, I like to look at the comparison. It's like, we're in the 2021 season, you know, 2022 is much better. So hopefully the yeah. same thing. Yeah. And with, with Bob Melvin and AJ talking about how it, maybe they'll just run it back. I'd be a little surprised that that happens now with AJ. I'm not surprised if he stays, I, I think he's going to, no. but Bob Melvin, him staying with AJ. Because I think both things need to happen here, both sides. It's not AJ saying, oh, we'll keep you. But it's also Bob saying, I want to do this for next year as well. Does he want to do this all again next year after what has happened this year? Does he still believe in this roster? Does he believe in AJ? If, if Peter decides to stick with AJ, does Bob Melvin think in his head when he goes to sleep, man, is AJ, do I actually believe that this guy can help us go win a world series is this am i do i have my right gm here and if i don't do i want to do this again because he's had an accomplished managerial career no doubt about it so does he want to do it and does aj want him like those are two things there and both need to happen for that to happen and i'd be a little surprised if bob is back for 2024 to be honest yeah i don't know i think um i don't necessarily think it's up to aj i think i honestly I think there was a report like earlier this year or something like that, that, um, you know, AJ hired Jay Stingler as a yes man. And then Bob Melvin was kind of like the, okay, you don't get a yes man anymore. You get a guy who's experienced and everything like that. And I think Scyther has some say in that ultimately in the end of the day, Melvin's going to be, I think yeah, Melvin is the guy, just the, you know, uh, old experienced coaches are not very easy to find uh you know maybe maybe we can pick up terry francona in the offseason that'd be kind of cool but who knows but i mean you know we you, you've said it a bunch of people have said it what's the be next best option honestly yeah. there is no other best option so we'll see i mean there's always next year <laughs> that's what i'm open hopefully hopefully next year just like you said 2021 hopefully this is 2021 i know yeah. it's not a collapse because they were never like really good uh but yeah hopefully this year's the down year and then next year can be really good. You know the Giants, right? They had those World Series in the even years. Hopefully, uh, we'll have the good years in the even years. Uh, you want it every year, but baseball's hard. And sometimes yeah, things yeah. don't align. And a lot of things have gone wrong this year. And I don't want to just blame it on, oh, it's luck. No, it's, it's not. Some of it, but it's not all. There's definitely things that need to be fixed. But I still go back to the contract thing. We're still definitely in that window of the hope, at least going into the season. I know a lot has happened, but we're in that window of the hope of, well, if we get those great performances out of the guys, we paid a bunch of money to have those great performances, then we could go win it. It's not the end of these contracts. That would be different no. if it was like this and it was the end of the contracts, but it's not. Yeah. And I think, I think if it's, you know, if we're kind of getting to that situation, you know, or Manny's getting older and it's, it's kind of like Miguel Cabrera, you know what I mean? Like he'll just like show up every once in a while and stuff like that. I mean, Scyther is willing to put up the money and Eric Hosmer's contract is not going to last forever. So that's going to be a lot of money coming his way. Was it Drew Pomeranz as well? So, yep. you know, it's, it, there is some money that's going to come in the pipeline eventually, but you know, at, at the end of the day, we got the team that we got and we're here now. We can't think about five years from now and, 
oh, maybe we'll improve from there. But no, this, we need to beat the Dodgers. We need to win this division. We're in the World Series, gosh darn it. Yep, that's all we. That's all. That's what all we want for sure. Thank you, want. John. Thank you for the no time. Problem. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Have a good. Right, have a good. Yep, you too. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I know a lot of this season right now. It's a lot of the talk of what's going to happen at the end of this season, because I think we think that this season is over. Um, I want to try to keep that talk positive for the end of this season. Um. It's really easy to be negative right now and be, oh, this team sucks. This te- the season's over. And I definitely have said that so many times. And when we talk about this year's team, I will be negative because that's what this team deserves this year. That's how they played, right? I'm not lying about stuff. But in the offseason, I feel like that can be like a reset. And now it, it, it's also kind of depending on what moves AJ makes, who's the manager, Right. Maybe we won't be as optimistic going into spring training next year based on some things that AJ does, assuming that he stays, which I think he will stay. Um, but the talent that is here, it's not like it was one season of being great for all of these players. right? They, they didn't get contracts because of one great season. There's a track record there. And so I believe that these guys want to win. And they're going to be hungrier, hopefully. They'll be hungrier than ever to go win next year. Hopefully, right? All right, back after this. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. Okay, talking more about today's win for the Padres, 4 nothing. Kim getting it going, obviously, in that first inning. Uh, with the double, takes third on the grounder, scores on the Soto single. Xander with the two-run home run, showing that the power is still in there. Tatis, I believe, had an RBI single. Like there were some positive things offensively today, but it's kind of like I've said a lot this season. I don't feel like talking about it a whole a whole lot because what happened the night before, what happened, or there's been some series this year, right, where they have a really good first game, but what happened the rest of the series? So when I go talk about the first game of the series, it's like, I don't really feel like talking about this a whole lot because it doesn't matter that much. And that's kind of how I feel about today because I thought this was a must-sweep series. I already think the season's over, but standings-wise, if they're really going to get back into this, I thought that gaining three games on a team that I was that was ahead of you and really close to a wild-card spot was going to be very important. And there's going to be more opportunities against some teams here. I think they play the Giants coming up. They've got the Brewers. They've got the Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals obviously aren't in it, but that's probably going to be a a little bit of a difficult matchup because there's talent on that Cardinals team as well. And the Brewers, they're fighting for their division. So that's not going to be easy either. Um, I just, it just makes their performance today against Alcantara, who obviously won the Cy Young last year, that performance makes it that much more frustrating because they did that against a guy that's been pitching better as of late and is very talented, who's a better pitcher than Jesus Lazardo, and they couldn't do that against Lazardo last night for the sweep. That's what makes it frustrating for me. Um, you know, yesterday, there was just nothing. It was pretty flat. Tatis, obviously, like I said earlier, first inning gets stranded, and, you know, they, gave, they got two hits against Jesus Lazardo. No guy got to second base. 
against Luzardo. I think they finished with three hits in the game. That's unacceptable. Cannot happen. The top five guys, I think, in the lineup, one, two, three, four. No, five. Kim Tati, Soto, Manny, Bogarts combined to go one for 17 last night. Two for 20 if you throw Crony in there. One through six. You're not going to win games like that. And obviously, you're not going to win games when you don't score. And that's how it's been this year. I mean, I'll pull up this graphic that the Padres broadcast put up today about this series against Miami and the top of the lineup. Kim, Tati, Soto, Manny, Bogarts, top five in the lineup. Or this, not this series, this homestand. A 186 average, a 286 on base percentage, a 354 slugging, 13 extra base hits to 33 strikeouts. Three times, almost, almost three times the amount of strikeouts compared to extra base hits. 186. And how much money is being made this season between those players? And you can add Crony in there, but that was just what the graphics said. And that wasn't through today, but that, I think that was leading up to today. That's unacceptable. That can't happen. And that's been a story of this season is big players underperforming, not living up to their paycheck. And so I'm hoping that that can improve next season because it better for sure, or else I'll be more worried about the long-term future of this team than I am right now. As I've said, as I said a little bit earlier, um, I'm trying to remain optimistic about the stars that are here long-term for this Padres team. And I'm talking about like immediate long-term, if that makes sense, being optimistic about that. The window I see, and Scyther has said in the past, he doesn't believe in windows and all that, but the window I see for this team right now, and hopefully that window can get extended when Salas comes up and Snelling and the top prospects and they end up performing, assuming that they stay in the organization, but the window based on this team right now, I see through like the Musgrove contract, four years after this. Because after that, that's when you see probably Manny and Bogarts out of their prime. We'll see about Tatis. I still see a lot of great years coming for him. Um, we'll see what Crony looks like at that point. Is Kim going to be extended? Is Soto going to be here? Don't know. There, there's a lot of questions there. And I think that's when the Suarez contract will be up. Uh, Darvish obviously will be outside of his prime. Musgrove's best years will probably be behind him. So. Yeah, um, that's how I see the window of this team. So I'm trying to remain optimistic long-term through that window. Like, the talent is still going to be here. They're still in their prime. And hopefully that this year it, it's not um, something that we're going to continue to see. It's not a pattern with this current group of guys. It's just the outlier. But if you look at A.J. Preller's tenure, like I've said previously, this is not the outlier. 2022 is the outlier, which does make you worry a little bit, you know, um, because you just look at AJ's tenure. And I know these are very different teams that he's had throughout his tenure. But 2015, when he went all in there, right, I mean, that failed. Didn't make the playoffs in his tenure till 2020. And that was a short season. Who knows if they would have made it in a long season with that that playoff format wasn't expanded, I don't think, yet at that time. 2021, collapse. Very talented team. Great record, collapse. Last season, I mean, they they didn't get into the postseason until the last weekend. Remember, that was the White Sox series at home. Great moment. 
I'll remember that for a while. But they lost that game, too. I don't think we should forget that. And they went on the long run. That feels more like the outlier than this season being the outlier. And I hope I'm wrong. But, yeah, for this year, obviously, it's been a failure. And I don't think this team's going to go be a postseason team. Um, Blake Snell. I wanted to touch on him. So last night, six innings, eight punch outs, three earned runs, two walks, six hits. Uh, his ERA now, I believe, 273. So it obviously got raised from where it was at. And yes, three earned runs. Should not be three earned runs. I can definitely recognize that. Sander Bogarts threw one to Mars. That was an error. And the inning continued because of that. That should have been an out. And then the ball that Snell let go to Kim that he threw to first for an out, that would have been the final out of the inning, and everything would have been fine. And it would have been like one earned run, I think, for Snell instead of three. I don't know how those are ruled errors, or excuse me, not ruled errors. Those were ruled hits. The scorekeepers, I guess, have been told by Major League Baseball this year to not put down as many errors, which doesn't. It makes sense for Major League Baseball and what they're trying to do. You know, at the end of the season, they're probably trying to put out a release that's like, hey, look at how many more runs are being scored and all that. Look at this pace of the play and the runs being scored, the action, and yay. But if it's an error, it's an error. Like, the scorekeeper should not be, they should say, if you think it's a hit, you put it in as a hit. If you think it's an error, you put it in as an error. That's what it should be. You shouldn't be, uh, you know, taking it easy on, the starting, or excuse me, on the defensive players and just giving the offensive players more hits than they actually deserve. So yes, I can agree with Snell that he gave up less than three earned runs last night. But this quote that he said after the game is part of the problem with this Padres team. This irritated me. And I'm going to find this from Dennis Lynn. It says, this is Snell. Quote, the scorekeeper said those are earned runs when they're not, so we'll contest that, end quote. You don't say that publicly to the media, Blake. You don't. You don't need to say that publicly. I'm sure players contest things, whether something was a hit, whether something was an error, whether something was not an earned run. They contest that all the time. But do they say it publicly to the media? who then puts the quotes out and the fans see it? No, they don't. Right there, that quote is part of the problem. It feels like some players on this team are more worried about their ERA, their, their individual numbers, than the team winning baseball games. And I want to be clear here, later in the quote, or later in his comments, he did say that it sucks that they're not winning. And we want to get to the playoffs, we want to win, so it hurts losing to them especially when I know that we have the team to beat them and beat every team we play. There's nothing like the playoffs. Hopefully we can get it going, start winning, and give this city what they deserve a playoff team. So he did say that. I'll give credit to him for saying that. But say that and leave it at that. Don't mention, oh, well, we're going to have to go contest that. The scorekeeper said those were earned runs when they're not. Don't bring that up. Don't. We don't care as fans. I don't care if Blake Snell wins the ERA or if him winning the ERA title will give him more money in free agency. I don't care. I care about the Padres winning games. And I'll give props to Snell on his season. It's been a great season. He's been a big reason why the Padres are even where they're at. 
which is not in a great spot, but they'd be an even worse spot if Snell was not on the team. I can give him props for that. But in terms of Blake Snell, his ERA, I don't care. And that's a bad look on Blake, I think. So even bring up the scorekeeper. And yeah, we'll contest that. No one cares. Shut up, Blake. We don't care about that. You know, you lost. Be pissed off that you lost and ended at that. For me, I, I don't know. I Maybe some people don't think that, but I saw that and I was like, come on, man. Really? You're going <clears> to <throat> you're gonna bring up the scorekeeper in this thing? No one cares other than you and Scott Boris and your family, I guess. I'll mention it like I did earlier. Those weren't earned runs, but I'm not mentioning. They should go contest that for Blake Snell's ERA. You don't say that to the public. You don't say that to the media publicly. That's something you go contest privately after the game to your agent or however that process goes. For me, that just felt like it was a, a bad look. And then you add that to Musgrove quotes earlier in the year. I'm not saying this is like Musgrove, like being pissed at Musgrove, but him talking about, yeah, urgency. Um, and Manny earlier in the year about, yeah, don't jump on that bandwagon we st when we start raking. Never happened consistently. Um, him talking to reporters, Kevin AC asks a question and he talks to Kevin in not the best tone, I would say. And what did he say? He pretty much said like, we're not, we're not, uh, what do you say? We're not pressing in here. We're not panicking in here. Even though you definitely like, that's part of the problem. There's no freaking urgency that we're seeing sometimes in this team. That's been a problem. And then the Juan Soto quitting stuff. It's like, my goodness. And then the lack of urgency in some of the moves this year. Josh Hader, it feels like he's dictating when he pitches, when the team needs him to pitch more frequently. And I'll make this comparison, like I did on my post-game reaction. It's like those people that get all of these shoes, right? They spend hundreds of dollars on shoes, on these Jordans and whatever, basketball shoes, whatever. And then they just have them sit there in their house and they don't wear them. They just sit there and they buy them knowing that they're not going to wear them a bunch. And it's like, why? What are you doing? Why? Aren't you wasting the shoe? Like the shoe is meant to be worn. Josh Hader is meant to be used. He's a player on the San Diego Padres. He's meant to be used. So why is Josh Hader dictating when he goes? And if it's not just him, why are the Padres saying, oh, it's okay. No, you don't have to pitch uh, more than once a week sometimes. You know, he pitched today in a non-save situation. But the last non-save situation, I think it was Cosgrove on the mound. Hater didn't pitch. The last time he pitched before today was Friday. It's like, it's like they're treating him like a starting pitcher. He's pitching one inning at a time, and they're pitching him like on a every fifth day rotation, it feels like sometimes this year. It's like, seriously? We can't pitch him more often. So it's like some of the things this year, the urgency, it's, it's, it's pissed me off. I mean, just looking back on it, it's like, I was on the side of, no, they'll get it together. They have the talent, you know, but then the quotes come out and the manager and Bob Melvin's talking about it. Got to show a little bit more fight. I think he said that during the twin series. And then Soto with the quotes about quitting. 
and Manny in the locker room telling reporters, there's no worrying in here, something to that, essentially him saying that. Like, no, we're not pressing. We're not worried about this. You got to win more baseball games. Simple. Is it that simple? Because you haven't won more baseball games. So, yeah, it's been definitely disappointing this season for sure. Okay, minor league update. Ethan Salas, his double-A debut was last night. And he walked it off, walk-off double. There were some things that weren't great for those that weren't watching. Salas, there was a ball that was in the dirt. And he's 17, so I'm not going to be super hard on him. But he tried to backhand a ball when he clearly should have tried to get around it and block it, and a run scored on that. There was another one that wasn't really on Salas. That was that would have been a hard pitch to get around and block in the dirt. Um, but he had competitive at-bats. The at-bats that I saw, I saw the first two and then the last at-bat, competitive at-bats. Uh, popped out to third, struck out, looking, I want to say, in his second at-bat. The last at-bat, obviously, competitive, and then doubled. Uh, I think off the wall for the walk-off. Nate Mortarella, uh, two RBI double in the fourth. Jacob Marcy was playing some good defense in center field. Robbie Snelling, I think, supposed to start today for double-A. Obviously, the top pitching prospect, according to MLB.com, in the farm system. So some positive things coming out of the minor league system there in double-A. And I also wanted to hit on... Robert Suarez, obviously. That's something I I didn't mention. Um, So hold on one second. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
because I just want to bring up this situation right. Okay, so Robert Suarez is coming into today's game. And it's, what, the eighth inning, I think, is what it was. And he's been back for a good amount of time now. No sticky substances. Nothing. But as he's coming in, you know, the, the umpires, they check the relievers as they come in. So they don't have to check them when they go off the mound. After an inning's over. After their appearance is over, right? Check Suarez, and the umpire ejects him. They look at his, the top of his arm. Wrist area is what they were looking at. Kick him out. And I think Bob Melvin was going to the bathroom at this time. So he was like, yeah, it's probably a bad time to use the restroom. So Niebla's out there, the pitching coach, seeing what's up. And I was expecting Suarez to contest it maybe and be pissed off that he was thrown out. You know how Max Scherzer earlier this season against the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium, he went like nuts on the umpires, that they threw him out. And Robert Suarez just walked off the mound. No, eh, whatever. So that leads me to believe he was using something. And if that was the case, that's very disappointing. He has failed this Padres team this season. And part of it wasn't his fault with the injury, but if this was his fault, then some of it is his fault, right? He misses over half of the Padres season with an injury. And then comes back, has been pretty good, pretty impactful. Like it, it was good to have him back, definitely. But then if he is suspended for 10 games, and there could be an appeal, but if he's suspended for 10 games here, and the Padres are already circling the drain, I feel like the season's already over. Robert Suarez is going to end up having a failure of a season, if it's not a failure of a season already. Because we were expecting way more innings out of him than we ended up getting this season. He has a negative baseball reference war as of now. His whip's below one, but you look at the ERA, and I know that was inflated by, I think, one of his appearances, but 4.73 ERA this season and a little over 13 innings. That's a failure of a season. 13 innings. And you look a lot of, at a lot of these appearances. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten appearances this year. 10 of his, I think, 13 games have been shutouts. So, for the most part, he's done his job. Against Pittsburgh, only gave up one run in that one inning of work. The ERA was inflated because of that terrible Dodgers outing. But that was a big game, obviously. And they had that game. They were supposed to win that game, and Suarez cost the Padres that game. And again, I go back to the sample size of this season. It's small. It's, no, it's, it's essentially nothing. And now if he's out for another 10 games, the season's definitely going to be over by then, you would think. So very, very disappointing 2023 season for Robert Suarez. If this wraps it up, maybe he'll make an, a few more appearances after his suspension or the, the suspension goes down in terms of the number of games. But yeah, very disappointing if this ends up being a suspension for Suarez. And I feel like it will because he didn't contest it at all. He wasn't pissed off. I'm sorry. If I was going in a, into a ball game and the umpires pulled me aside and I had like sunscreen on my arms or whatever and I'm a sweaty guy or whatever and I need something on there or it's just sunscreen and you're, you're, you're not doing anything wrong, 
and the umpires come to me and throw me out of the game. I'm sorry. I'm getting pissed off. I'm not just going to walk off the mound and be like, well, okay, whatever. No, I'm going to be pissed off because the umpires are accusing me of something that I didn't do. I would go like Max Scherzer and be absolutely pissed off about it. And we didn't see that from Robert Suarez, a lack of fight for his ejection. And there's been some times where there's been a lack of fight for some other guys on this team this season. There's been guys that have admitted that they have quit at some points this season when they get down in games. And that's been a problem for this team. So, yeah, it's definitely been frustrating. Um, I'm going to look at, I'm just going to look at Twitter real quick because I just want to see if there's an update. AJ Caswell says, as of now, it's unclear whether Suarez will appeal his pending 10-game ban. Suarez says, I'm just going to explore my options, see what options I have, and go from there. Well, those are your options. You appeal for a lower suspension or no suspension at all, or you take the suspension. And again, you showed no emotion coming off of the mound. So that leads me to believe that you actually did something. Crew Chief Todd Tishner said, upon inspection of Robert Suarez's left wrist area, he said it was too sticky, very sticky, and he was ejected. But here's the thing. Umpires probably have different levels of sticky. One umpire might think, oh, that was too sticky. Another might think, no, I felt someone that was stickier this year. That's fine. Right? So that's part of the problem of this as well. There needs to be a uniform thing of, okay, this is too much. This is over the line. This is not over the line. There needs to be a difference. It has to be the same for everyone. And I don't know how they can do that, but it's like, the blocking the plate rule, the check swing rule, it's like the strike zone. It should be the same, but it's not. And that's part of the part in baseball, especially when it goes against you, that's really disappointing and it's frustrating. Uh, those are the only updates that I see. Darvish pitching Friday against the Brewers. Pedro Avila is going to pitch on Saturday. So no Rich Hill. So that's good news. Now, Rich Hill could come in after Pedro Avila, I guess. But we're getting what we wanted on Saturday. Finally, Pedro Avila is getting to start over Rich Hill. Now, there's another thing about the urgency. Feels like it's a little bit too late to take Rich Hill out of the rotation because the season's already over. All right, I'm going to get to the chat after this break. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pick'up games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, 
including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, starting off in the chat here, Bill with the Super Chat. Thank you so much. Anyone who has the Super Chat, you get in the front of the line. I go to you first. Supports the channel. Appreciate you very much for that. Bill says, this nonsense with Carpenter and trying to compete with 25 players instead of 26 better come to an end. With the Suarez suspension, we need another arm. Do they need another arm, though? I don't know if they need another arm. I just feel like they should pitch Josh Hader more. He's the best reliever on the team, and you're treating him like he's a starter. You're pitching him like once every five days. And I don't know who to blame on that. I think part of it's Hader, but part of it has to be the Padres as well because, you know, he works for the Padres. They don't work for him. Uh, And with Matt Carpenter, I'm not really pissed off about that because there's a pitcher limit. You can only have 13 pitchers on your roster, I believe, which means you can only have a certain amount of relievers because the rest of your starters in the rotation. So it's not like they can have 15 arms on there. Like, there's a limit on it. Let me double check the limit. Pitcher limit. For a roster. Yeah. Teams are limited to carrying 13 pitchers during a time. That's the that's from MLB.com. 26-man roster. So you might need another arm, but you can't go get another arm. It's, it's 13. That's the max. Um, and with Matt Carpenter, I'm fine with him being on the roster the rest of the year. Like, sure, earlier in the year, I was like, yeah, I want the urgency. Why is he on this roster? But now, like, if they haven't done it yet, they're not going to. So don't get your hopes on, up on that, Bill and Padres fans. Don't get your hopes up that Matt Carpenter is going to get DFA'd or released at some point. They're waiting for the offseason to try to find a trade, attach him somewhere, or maybe give it another go. Or release him, or I don't know. But they're not going to, I'd be shocked. Not surprised, I'd be shocked if he ends up going this season. Because again, if he would have gone, they would have done it already, I would think. Um, And why I'm fine with Carpenter on this roster? Because the way the roster is constructed, it's not like they have a bunch of bench players that are playing all of the time. They don't. So... You know it's Soto, Tatis, Grisham, Manny, Bogarts, Kim, Cronoworth, Gary or Campy, and then Cooper, pretty much. Like, those are the guys in there every day. And Ben Gamble maybe once, every once in a while. But someone that you replace Matt Carpenter with, you know, Carpenter's off the roster, you bring someone in, that guy's going to play every day? No, he's not. So... The Padres would probably rather have that guy play every day in AAA than take up a roster spot. I think that's just how it is. I think that's just what they believe. All right. 
Thank you so much for that super chat. Uh, Devin says here, disappointing homestand. I agree. Greasy strangler. We can't sweep. Yeah, pretty much. They have swept before, but then, you know, they don't do a whole lot after that. They can't, they haven't been consistent. Uh, JD's third says no roster spot with suspensions, no cheater rewards. Oh, is the, oh that does make sense. Kind of like a red card. You have a red card, you play with 10. That, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, now the Padres can only have 12 pitchers on their roster. So again, like you can need pitching, but there's a limit. And then when someone gets suspended, there's even more of a limit. You know, it's not 13, it's 12. If that's the case, JD's third. Thank you for that. Thank you for making me aware of that. Um, let's see here. Sorry, lost where I was in the chat. Okay, JD's third here. We're down bad as an organization. First Nando cheating, now Suarez. We are the laughing stock of baseball, the scorn of it too. AJ needs to go. No more distractions with Salas. We we see through it. I don't know if Salas is a distraction. If it is, that's just a stupid thing to do. Because, look, most Padres fans, they're not going to go watch all the double-A games for Ethan Salas, like I'm probably going to. They're not that invested in the prospects in the system. They'll see the highlights on social media. They're not going to go watch the games. So that would be stupid of the Padres to say, we're distracting you, Salas and double-A. No, that's dumb. You do it to challenge him. You do it because you believe in the talent. That's why you do it. And I think that's why the, the Padres did it. Um, and Suarez... To be fair, we don't know if he is cheating, but we're led to believe he is because he didn't have a he didn't have a reaction for getting kicked out. He just walked off like stone faced, like okay, whatever they caught me. That's what it seemed like. And Nando, he wasn't cheating. The one defense to Nando, and I I, I don't want to be like I defend Nando. He didn't do anything wrong. He did, but he never did it while he was playing like some other players have. So for like down, way down the line, like Hall of Fame and all that, if he, you know, plays really well for the rest of his career, I could see him getting into the Hall of Fame because these old writers won't be voting for the Hall of Fame anymore that have this firm stance on PEDs. And he didn't do it while he was playing. You know, and I think there's a difference there. What I think he was doing it because he was pissed off that he wasn't getting back as soon as he wanted. I don't buy the I don't buy the ringworm stuff. So yeah, I was obviously pissed off when he did it, and I'm not excusing it for sure. But he didn't do it while he was playing, and I think what he's done since then he's been great. He's talked to the media. He's been accountable. He's been funny in the stands or going at fans in the stands, and you know communicating with them, dancing on it. Like, he's been great with it. And it's kind of like a member of your family. Like, yeah, you're pissed off, but they're a member of your family. So maybe you deep down won't forgive them, but they're there. Like, you're going to embrace them, you know? Uh, Spores will go back to driving Uber, but he has a five-year contract, so no, he's not going to. <laughs> he's here. Uh, Dan says, if run it back, 
The results will be different based on statistical anomalies. Will they humbly look in the mirror as the guest intimates? Pitching will be weaker next year, wasted opportunity. Oh, for sure this year is a wasted opportunity. I don't want to make it seem like nothing's wrong. But I am going to be like, well, it's only the first year of this. And part of that makes Padres fans cringe. Oh, it's the first year. This is really going to be bad. But you could also try to look at it as it's the first year. We've got a window here. I think, again, like I said, the Musgrove contract to go win it all. It's, this was not just a one-year thing. This might feel like the best opportunity that they had on paper going in with Snell and with Hayter, right? And who knows with Soto. And you're having a great year from us on Kim and all that. You're having a great year from Snell. You got a great year so far, for the most part, from like Lugo and Waka when they're healthy. And Musgrove was pitching well before he got hurt. Like you have Tatis, you bring in Bogarts, like you still have Bob Melvin. You thought that, yeah, this was their best opportunity. So yeah, definitely a wasted opportunity, but this is not it. They're still going to have chances, but they're definitely going to have to turn it around. No doubt about that for sure. And they're going to have to put the work in in the offseason. I'm not saying, JD's third, I'm not saying they do nothing and run it back. I mean, but they can't do anything with the guys that they have locked down. So, I mean, there's nothing we can do there. That's all you can do is hope that they'll go back to who they were last season, like in Manny's case. And Crony will be better. And Kim will have another good year. And Soto and Tatis, right? Like you, and obviously Bogarts. You hope he doesn't get hurt. That's all you can do. They're here. Yeah, I see this. Giants, Phillies came back, I think, and tied it, but the Giants are now back up in extra innings. So the Padres, I don't believe they're going to gain any games in the wild card standings for anyone who still cares about that, which obviously I'm going to keep looking at it every day until they're officially eliminated. Um, I think some don't even care about that. They're just like, well, season's over, so don't tell me the wild card standings. I'm going to still mention it. JD's third again says, Skip Schumacher said he holds everyone accountable no matter who they are. If they screw up on base running, then they are benched. Bottom line, accountability. Other players don't respect this. So you said, like, Bob Melvin doesn't do this is what you're saying? Like, he's not going to bench guys? I think Skip's in a little bit of a different situation. He doesn't have a bunch of guys that are making $30 million a year. And if he had Juan Soto on his team, I don't think he'd be benching him all the time if he admits to quitting or doesn't hustle one out or looks like he's lollygagging. Maybe he did it. Maybe he does it once or twice early in the year. But you need Juan Soto. If you're Skip Schumacher and Juan Soto's on your team, you're going to feel like you need him in the lineup every day. Juan is going to be in the lineup every day. He's playing every day because it's Juan Soto. So it's easy to say that, but if you're the manager, it's probably harder to do that than actually, it's harder to do it than say it, you know? Maybe there does need to be a little bit more accountability, but I feel like Bob Melvin's like, well, there's a bunch of veterans in this clubhouse. They should be accountable for themselves. The teammates should be accountable to other guys and be like, you need to be better. I shouldn't need to be in there and babysit guys and be like, you need to hold yourself accountable more. You need to run balls out more. You need to stop quitting when down in games. Bob, and let's remember, Bob already 
made those comments. He already pulled that earlier in the year. He pulled it way earlier than he did last year because he knew the urgency was needed, and it hasn't happened. Uh, ben, don't please, uh, please don't excuse Suarez. There are no excuses. Hold these players accountable. That's what's missing from top to bottom in the organization. Um, excuse Suarez. When did I excuse about the suspension? I know this chat was from a little bit ago. I'm not excusing Suarez. No. It doesn't seem like he was pissed off that he got ejected. So, no, it's been a failure of a season for him, I think. Uh, and then Mad Max also didn't appeal his suspension, JD's third said. Yes, but if you remember, he was pissed off during the game when he got ejected. He was pissed off after two reporters and explained everything. <coughs> Excuse me. And then, what was I going to say? Oh, and then the appealing thing. And then he told the media he's not appealing because it wasn't going to do anything. Like, the league is going to side with the umpires. It's not going to do anything to appeal the suspension. So he just took it. That was his stance on it. And he works with, like, the players' union, so he knows more probably than Robert Suarez about his options and about how that appeal process goes. And again, I, I didn't see that fire from Robert Suarez out there when the umpires went out there and said, you're gone. Didn't see it. And that pissed me off a little bit. JD's third says, and we want to run this back next season. You have to. Not with the whole roster, obviously, but don't you have to? The core, why this Padres team, why we thought they were going to go to the World Series, those guys are still going to be here in 2024. Now, maybe Hayter Snell, no, but those guys, I'm talking about like offense, superstars, they're going to be here. So, yeah, you have to. Steven says this high payroll superstar roster is part of the Seidler Gruppner business, business model. They literally thought they could treat San Diego like it was a New York or LA market. Petco will be empty soon. Not That's not true. Well, maybe the rest of the season Petco might not have a bunch of sellout crowds because fans, why, why would those that don't have season tickets, why would they want to go all, all the time when the team's not going to go anywhere? So I understand that. But if they would have won and would have lived to, up to expectations, Petco would be filled every day. Just like the giveaway the other night, it would be like that even on non-giveaway nights, like it was for most of this season, even when the Potters were being inconsistent and under 500. Throughout the summer, it was still packed. So I don't, I don't think it's Seidler being a dummy or Grutner being a dummy um, with the model and paying the superstars. Like San Diego will show up if you try to win and then if the results are there, right, they're going to give you a chance like they did most of this season. And then they're seeing that what's the point of going to the game? So some aren't going to be showing up, and that's totally understandable. But they'll be back next year, promise you that, because there'll be excitement going into next year. And yes, there have been some things that I have not liked about what the Potters have done. Raising the season ticket prices, that should not have happened. Um that's a really bad, it definitely shouldn't have happened at that time, you know, during that Dodger series. That was a bad look. 
Um, and the email that Grupner set, sent out, that pissed me off. Like, come on, man. Really? You're making it seem like you don't value your season ticket holders. There's a big, long wait list. So, you know, if, if essentially saying, without saying it, essentially saying, yeah, if you don't renew, no big deal. Someone else will just come take it. Like, I don't know. Value, value your, your members a little bit more. That's what I would say. And I think that's what other season ticket holders probably feel like as well. Patrick Daly had him on the show. If you're another season ticket holder that you're watching or listening to this, feel free to join the show. Or you can DM me on social media, whatever. And I'll have you come on the show and you can give your thoughts from a season ticket holder's uh, perspective. Or uh, if you're just a, you're not a season ticket holder, but you've been to games and you're a loyal Padres fan, feel free to come on and give your thoughts on it. Like, I don't think I'm alone. All right, continuing to go through the chat here. Soto going back to the Nats. Master chess move by the Nats. JD's third says, I don't see that. I mean, he already, he already rejected 440 from him. Why would they offer him 500 when he re rejected 440? And that's why, why they traded him. Um, continuing to go through the chat, just seeing if there's anything I want to bring up here. Uh, Talkman says, who would be best, who would be the best option for the Padres next manager? I mean, Bob Melvin, I think he should manage next year. But after that, I immediately go to someone like Ron Washington, who was a finalist with Jace Tingler. And the Padres Preller decided to go with Jace Tingler over Ron Washington. Great decision, AJ. Great decision. Uh, but Ron, he's, he's already coaching with the Braves. It seems like he's pretty dang comfortable there and the Braves value him. They love him. And why would he want to come to the Padres when the Padres, that GM said no to him over a dude that's never done it before? Why would he want to come manage the Padres? So I don't see that happening. I point to someone like, I know Ozzie Guillen's being brought up, but if Bob Melvin can't work, why would Ozzie Guillen work? If Bob Melvin can't work. Why would Joe Girardi work? Why would Joe Madden work? Name an experienced manager. Mike Sosha. Why would they work? You know? Like, it's... Bob Melvin's the guy. He should be the manager next season if he wants to do it, I think. If it's not going to be a veteran manager, then I'm not going to be surprised to see someone like Ryan Flaherty be the manager of this team. Or someone from the Rangers organization, because Preller loves those guys. Or from a, someone random from the minor leagues that he loves and pulls up. I mean, I don't know. Looking back on it now, it almost feels like like if you're if Bob Melvin was going to be short term, I mean, maybe you should have went with Skip Schumacher while he was in the organization, because it really does feel like he knows what he's talking about. And he's been on the show before, like right when I started this show, he was on. Um, and yeah, he he knows what he's doing. But obviously, he's with Miami, and he's being successful, and they might end up being a postseason team in his first year with the Marlins. Um, Matt, talking about Cabrera? Cabrera who? 
Oh, Edward Cabrera. Oh, they're talking about a trade here. Kim for Edward Cabrera? Is that what I'm seeing in here? Why would the Padres do that? And it feels like the Marlins, they're having a good amount of success without Ha-Sung Kim. And they'd be trading for him for one year. Do they think they're going to go win the World Series next year? I don't know. I mean, Skip would obviously want Ha-Sung Kim. But I don't know. It feels like Seidler's going to make a run at trying to extend him. He likes to lock those guys down on extensions after having a really good year. Did that with Cronenworth. Did that with, I don't say really good year for Cronenworth, but you get what I'm saying, like a good moment. Um, Manny, obviously, MVP caliber season last year, extension. Went out of his way for the extension there. Tatis, good start to his career, extension. Bogart hit over 300, I believe, last year. Brought him in. Musgrove, obviously, was pitching great last year. Got the extension. Um, so, I wouldn't be surprised to see Seidler make a run at locking down Kim and then having Kim move to short, Crony at second, Bogarts at first, or maybe you have Crony be like the Chris Taylor of the Padres, like he like Taylor is with the Dodgers. If Merrill, you want Merrill to play an infield position, or you bring in an actual first baseman, we'll see. But yeah, that Edward Cabrera thing, I, I don't see that happening. All right. Real quick here, just want to hit on some of the events that are going to be happening with San Diego Sports this weekend. San Diego State football, they play on Saturday against Ohio. They're starting their football season. I believe tickets are still available. I know the student section is sold out for now. Um, but yeah, San Diego State. Against Ohio, this weekend, Snapdragon Stadium, it's going to be on FS1. And are they favored in this game? I'm not sure if they're favored. But Jalen Mayen, obviously, he is going to be the starting quarterback again. Ryan Lindley taking over the offense duties, offensive coordinator. So I'm going to be interested in seeing how this offense happens under Ryan Lindley. Is Jalen Maiden going to throw the ball more? Are they, are they going to continue to try to run the ball down opponents' throats? I'm interested in seeing what offensive weapons step up now that I believe Jesse Matthews is gone. Um, there's some guys that have left. Offensive line, how does that work? The defense, so we'll see. It's not like Ohio is you know, Alabama, obviously, or anything like that. But I think it'll be a good test. And then... After Ohio, let's see, run down their schedule a little bit here. They play Idaho State on September 2nd. That one is also at home. Three consecutive home games before at Oregon State September 16th. The, the first probably significant test, obviously, uh, UCLA, September 9th. That's at home, 430, big CBS. And then a Pac-12 school at Oregon State. Last year, the Pac-12, that's obviously another thing to look for. Uh, Oregon State still technically in that pack four. We'll see what happens there. And then they face Boise State at home. So they've got a pretty tough start to their season, um, especially UCLA, Oregon State, Boise State. Those three games right there, those will be crucial. Um, and I think that'll be a good judging, uh, a good stretch of time to judge if this Aztecs team will be better than they were last season. Um, the San Diego Loyal, they also play this weekend as well. 
just want to get the right time for you here. Uh, Saturday on the road, Rio Grande Valley. That's at 5 p.m. And then they come back home. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday, September 3rd. And then the San Diego Wave, they play this Friday night in Orlando, uh, a 4 p.m. kickoff. Orlando, they had a good match last weekend. But the Wave, they should be able to win this match. Um, and after the Orlando match, the Wave, then they come home. An exciting matchup against the Houston Dash. And then the Kansas City Current. And then they go to Portland September 30th. That's a must-watch matchup there. September 30th, 7.30 at Portland. And then at North Carolina. And then they finish up the season, I believe, Fan Appreciation Day before the playoffs. Hopefully they're in the playoffs. I think they will be in the playoffs. They are the sixth seed right now, which is the last spot in. Uh, they host Racing Louisville October 15th to close out the regular season. Right now, they sit two points ahead of, of Orlando, so it's a big match. If Orlando can beat San Diego, they will be in a postseason spot, and San Diego will not. But if San Diego can pick up three wins, three wins, three points, then that creates some more separation between them and Orlando. So, And then the Padres, obviously, this weekend, they're in Milwaukee, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Darvish in Game 1, Avila in Game 2. I don't know if they announced Game 3 yet. Let's see here. I'm going to check social media to see if they announced the final game in this series. Um, let's see. Waka. Waka on Sunday. Expect Richo out of the pen. That's, that's according to Annie Halbrun. Uh, possibly piggybacking on Saturday, Rich Hill. Um, Rich Hill piggybacking Pedro Avila, who is starting. Thank goodness that the Padres are finally deciding to have Avila start that game. And then they go to St. Louis. So, crucial road trip, obviously, for the Padres. I already think the season's over. But they're technically still alive for a postseason spot. Just a lot will have to go right for this Padres team, for sure. A lot will have to go right. Okay, anything else in the chat here? SDSU three-point favorite is what I'm seeing here in the chat. Okay. Yeah, probably will be close. Juan says Soto sucks. He's overrated. Uh, he does not suck. Um, and overrated? Don't think he's overrated. I think that some fans just don't appreciate some of the things that he does. And some fans don't think that he's worth $500 million because he's not Aaron Judge. They're two different players. Um, and to be honest, I don't, know, I don't have an answer yet on if he's worth $500 million. I'd lean towards no, but I'm not going to say he's overrated. And if he gets $500 million, I'm not going to say that team's an idiot for signing him to a $500 million contract because he's one of the best hitters in baseball. Yes, Kim does have a mutual option for 2025, but if he has another good year next year, what the Padres could do is they could wait it out and say, don't think he's going to have this great of a year next year and maybe he can opt in and there's, there's that mutual option. Maybe he'll take that for 2025. But 
if he keeps playing like this, he's gotten better every year. So at this rate, there's no way he's going to stick with that contract. No way. Because he could go make maybe double that on the free agent market per season and not just be a one-year deal, but be like a four- or five-year deal, maybe even more than that. Like That's how good he has been. He leads the Padres in war this season. And he provides so much defensive value. He's gotten better offensively. He's the leadoff hitter. He's been so good this season. He leads the Padres in multiple offensive categories. 128 OPS plus entering today. 817 OPS. Six war. A six war. I mean. Seidler's going to want him, I think, long term. We'll see if he's open to that. I think he would be. And we'll see how much the Padres offer. Because Hassan Kim is someone I want on this Padres team long term. Because of how he plays. It doesn't feel like he's someone that if he gets his money, he's going to stop working and he stop, he's, he's going to stop grinding out at bats and wanting to play every day and hustling all the time. I don't see that happening. That's obviously something we could talk about a lot more in the offseason, and I'm sure we will. All right. That's it. Reminder code, Talking Friars, $20 off your SeatGeek order. There's that new Tatis Bat Flip City Connect shirt that's out with Breaking Tea. Click that link in the description for that. Uh, just go to the Slam Diego page, and you'll see that shirt there and a bunch of other Padres uh, items there. And then there's Wave and Aztecs uh, apparel as, as well there with Breaking Tea. Episode 453. Thank you, everyone, for the time. I hope everyone has a great rest of their night enjoys the off day, and then Padres, they're back at it against the Milwaukee Brewers coming up this weekend. See you then.